Hello, this is Romp, a podcast with me, Murray, and each show I'll have a guest on to tell their tales of gay dating BG, before Grinder. From coming out to dating and finding love in an age before the smartphone, we'll have stories of cottaging, cruising and clubbing. The best date, the worst date, the weirdest and the one that got away. Join us as we talk and laugh about shagging in the 60s, sex in the 70s and being naughty in the 90s. I don't know what we did in the 80s. I don't think anybody had sex in the 80s. This podcast contains adult themes, so those of a nervous disposition should turn off now. Welcome along to the third and final part of my conversation with Mark. If you listen to episode one and two already, you'll know that we've uh, lived in numerous places in the UK, coming from originally uh, the Grimsby and Cleethorpes area, and we've been all over the UK. We've lived in Japan, we've lived in Thailand, and at the end of the last episode, we were back in uh, Cleethorpes and Grimsby. I imagine the two are the same same place. And we had just left him in the woods, um, going back tomorrow to um, meet a man for a sample. Um, we're doing a little bit of a recap here, and then we'll be back into the woods and we'll find out about his attempts at horticulture. We're also going to talk about uh, the move to Melbourne and uh, to St Kilda, uh, and there the attempts at meeting people, there's some dating, there's some kayaking, there's also some fisting, so uh, do look out for that. Uh, and towards the end, we'll get to the chosen track um, that is on the Spotify playlist. And I finally get a word in edgeways, and we talk about um, how I got my lottery numbers, and this is the number 22, which is still not uh, one of the lottery numbers that I chose. One day we will get to those, I'm sure. Uh, of course, my stories don't hold a candle to any of uh, Mark's. So sit back and relax. Enjoy uh, part three. <laughs> um, anyway, I got the PhD um, and then I'm stuck in Grimsby. Um, and I thought, now what do I do? So I bought myself a dog. Um I thought, well, if this if this is it, this is your life. This is you're stuck. So you might. Oh, well I thought it was going to be that's another cover for cruising. You know, we've had sportswear. A dog's a bit easier yeah. on the old hips, isn't it? So I got I got a little Staffordshire Terrier, which I called Tallulah Sparkle. Oh, I know Tallulah Sparkle. Um, and used to walk Tallulah Sparkles around the woods. Yes, mm. where I met my drug dealer. <laughs> um, is this around Grimsby? You, in Wheelsby Woods, he said, mm. do you smoke? I said, yes, I do. He said, no, do you smoke? I said, yes, I do. So he said, meet me here tomorrow. I'll give you a sample. Wow. Um, and I was working at the local FE college. So, I, you know, it was great. I was just getting stoned and going in and prancing about doing drama, directing plays and getting money for all rope, really. Um one day, and I was going in, and there was all police outside of his house getting busted. I thought, fuck, my drug dealer's getting busted. But I couldn't do anything, because if I did, I'd reveal mm. myself. Anyway, about three weeks later, he comes around to my house, and he said, They've sent, I'm going to go down. They're sending me down. But he said, I've got some plants. He said, can I give you, can you look after the plants? I'll show you how to cultivate them i said yes of course of course i've got a carriage you know and i there's only five bungalows where i live it's all like death row i was the youngest <laughs> person down there um so he showed me how to do them with the lights yeah. and the, the heating thing well three plants became six plants became nine plants no. became ten plants by the time that i'd finished i had 60 plants in my garage fuck me your your garage and must have glowed in the dark well, my Auntie Margaret lived next door and she used to pop in every day for a cup of tea and a little chat. And she said, I've got a really bad headache. I said, look, I said, have one of these. I said, I'll roll you a joint. I said, have one of these. It'll, it'll take your headache straight away. So I rolled her a joint and she put it in a purse and off she tootled away. And about three weeks later, phone goes, it's my cousin. And she said, what have you been doing? I said, what do you mean? She said, I've just come back from lunch with my mother in Bins, Devonham, whatever it is. She said, mother trapped me for lunch and we're there. And she gets a purse out 
and she's getting the money out and she puts a joint on the um on the table and I said, Where did you get that from? She says, Oh our Mark gave me it. Well for when I have a headache. She said, Stop giving my mother drugs. I said, with only one little joint. I said, you know, she she would have enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, and she never had it. She never had it. Oh. Um so I'm just kind of then lingering around Grimsby like a bad smell, thinking, what am I going to do? And I'm applying for jobs at universities. And, of course, nobody wants me when, you know, I mean, what have I done? I, I go in and talk about people taking toilet paper out of their bottoms as part of my PhD. They look at me as if I'm mad. Um, and then Jackie said, have you ever thought of Australia? And I said, well, not really, no. Mm. The only thing I think of Australia is of big, crazy people with ginger beards running around with chainsaws. Um, She said, there's a job coming up in Australia. Do you fancy it? I said, no. I said, no, 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 I don't want to go to Australia. And then it got offered again. And I thought, "Mm, no, I don't want to go. Then it got offered a third time. And I was walking to Lula around the woods while it started fucking raining and snowing. I thought, I can't be doing with this. So I got home, turned on the TV, and it was at home in a way programme. As they were running along the beach, I thought, fuck it, I'm going to Australia. That's we're all humming the home and away theme tune in our heads now. So I applied, and the interview was online. So we, you know, like like a Zoomy thing. Mm. So I had all my notes, but I was full of cold. So I was talking utter nonsense. And the interview ended, and I thought, well, I wouldn't give myself the job. I thought, I thought you sound like a babbling idiot. So I thought the only thing to do is go and have a joint and a slosh of whiskey and go to bed. So I went and rolled myself a joint, had a slosh of whiskey and went to bed with Tallulah. And then the phone started ringing. It's like, who the fuck is ringing me at 11 o'clock at night? Fuck, fuck off. So I ignored it and it kept ringing. So I, uh, I, I, not, I was getting annoyed. <laughs> then Tallulah wanted a wee. So I had to get up anyway and let her out to have a wee and the phone went. So I picked it up and I said, Hello. And I can't do an Australian accent, so I won't try. And it's sort of, hello, Mark, this is Tony Kruger here from Australia. You're not doing a bad Australian accent, to be fair. He said, we're just ringing to let you know you're our preferred candidate. I said, oh, that's very nice of you. But what about the other people that you're interviewing? Because I was stoned Mm. as, and I didn't understand what he was saying. Um, (laughs) Is so he repeated it three times. Then he said, well, no, no, we're offering you the job, <laughs> which I shrieked and dropped the phone. So God knows what he must have thought. Anyway, a week, let- a week later, I then get the letter saying, you know, blah, 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 we've offered you the job. We will pay for your wife and children and da, 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 da. I thought, we haven't got any wife and children. I've got a dog. So I emailed them back saying, um, what about my dog? And the email came back saying, no, we don't pay for dogs. <gasps> I thought, well, you can fuck off. So I rang, t- I rang up this guy called Tony Kruger. I said, um, I've got a slight problem. I said, I'm very, you know, I'm very, very looking forward to coming to Australia with you. But, you know, and you're, you're re, re, whatever, you know, re. Location re- package. Re- relocation package mentions a wife and child i said i haven't got a wife and child but i've got a dog i said i find it incredibly heteronormative Mm -hmm. for a university that's supposed to be on social justice and inclusion and diversity you're not recognizing alternative families i said you know which makes me want to reconsider your offer of a job so he said leave it with me anyway two days later they said, we'll pay for your dog. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, fuck you. Um, <laughs> so I arrived. And is it more expensive moving a dog than a wife? It costs it costs more to move to Lula Sparkles than it did for me. It costs £6,000 wow. for the dog. Because of quarantine and all that kind and of the thing. Quarantine. Mm-hmm. And plus, you could go bronze, silver or gold. So I chose gold. Of course. So she went... She yeah. went Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I end up in St Kilda, which is supposed to be the gay part. It is, of yeah. Melbourne. 
Uh, many a gay man from Manchester when I, in the 90s left for St Kilda. Yeah, so I end up in St Kilda in this little little weatherboard house and kind of start work. Um, and it was still, I mean, I think Grinder, because you and you came out. We were. I took you to yeah, a club. Gaydar existed, didn't it? It was on, yeah, yeah, I took you website. to a club. I remember we, saying to you, what the, the fuck are they doing on their phones? The Greyhound. And you said they're, they're texting and it's coming up. So oh, it was. It was on it the was display. All, that was 2011, was all, I think. I decided instead what I would do is I thought you need to go and meet people. Mm. And so there was the Melbourne Lesbian and Gay Centre. And they ran this two-month sessions of how to find a relationship Ooh, and nice. build a relationship. Yeah. So I signed myself up. So every Thursday night, I toddled off to the Melbourne Lesbian and Gay Centre for these workshops on how to find a relationship and build a relationship. Because to be quite honest, I mean, my track history was not that good. Um <laughs> So the facilitators there doing whatever the facilitators doing, and then we all had to get in pairs. So I get into pairs with this little Indian man, and we all have to talk about the kind of advice we'd give to our partners. You know, difficult advice. Mm. How would you, how would you say something to your partner that you know was an impediment to your relationship? So. I'm thinking of stuff to say. And before I had an opportunity, he says, um, he says, well, I would say, I would say you have a smelly cunt. Here's something fresh. And I'm like, um, uh, um, I didn't know what to say because A, I'd never heard of Femme Fresh. <laughs> and it's like, does he realise he's in a lesbian and gay men's mm. group and gentlemen don't normally have vaginas? Um, and then I started giggling. Um, and the facilitator came over and was glaring at me because I just couldn't stop giggling. You know when you kind of giggling but you, you, you and you try to stop giggling and you're just giggling even, and I was snorting. <laughs> I had to leave the room because it was just, I just kept thinking of the little man with his can of femme fraiche spraying his wife's vagina. And it was like, I don't think he, he knows he's in the right place. Well, the next week I turn up again and we do all these stupid group exercises where we've got to run to other sides of the room if we like things. So, you know, so if you like fisting, run to that side of the room. Okay. If you like, you know, whatever, rimming, run to that side of the room. And then they said, if you like water sport, run to this side of the room. Well, this little Indian man was the only person that ran to that side of the room. And so he then had to explain why he liked water sports. Well, he then started saying, he said, well, I think it's a lovely family activity (laughs) on a Sunday (laughs) afternoon. (laughs) And I just snorted. It's like, who the fuck are you? You're in a game. Do you not realise we're talking about weeing on each other? We're not talking about kayaking on the local fucking pond with the family. Someone needs to take him aside and explain that this is a gay gay man's group. What with Femme Fresh and fucking canoeing on a Sunday afternoon? He's, he's wandered into the wrong place. I had to leave. I was, I literally, I was laughing that much. I just had to leave. I was cackling all the way down the corridor. It was just like, this is, this, I got, this is, you couldn't pay money for this. This is, this is, this stuff is gold. Um, I didn't end up meeting anyone. No. At the, uh, how to meet a relationship. Um, but it was, it was, it was entertaining. Um, and then I left. What did I do then? Then I kind of just had casual sex, as one does. Because then weren't uh, you then into the leather scene a bit back then? Yeah. Oh God, yes. And I, I went remember. To that. I'm sure I've seen got, you in a Muir cap in your house. I've got one. Yeah. yeah I've got one. I went to I went to the black party 
when I first arrived, one of my friends gave me a ticket to the Black Party, which I didn't know what the Black Party was. Well, we had hopes, course, didn't we? Fucking leather party, oh. isn't it? So yeah. I tip up. So I borrowed his Mueller's cap and his harness and whatever. And I'm at this party in the middle of in the middle of Melbourne. And, you know, this guy comes on a motorbike in a suit. Hmm. Then everyone's getting changed into their leather dress. Because, of course, you can't walk through the middle of Melbourne looking no. like a leather queen because you're going to yeah. get beat up. Yeah. So they're all changing into the... And it was fucking... It was cold. It was the winter. It was not warm. Um, and it was mixed. So there was ladies oh. there as well as men. Well, there was this woman. I'm fucking you. She was huge. Absolutely huge. And she had a one-piece fishnet body stocking on. You know, so it was like kind of... Think of Shelley Winters in the Poseidon Adventure in a fishnet stocking. And it was like, oh, my God, you have no shame. So I thought I'm removing myself from the melee because there was lots of untoward things happening on the dance floor. And I thought, I'm just going to, I'll watch, I'll be a voyeur. Mm -hmm. So I went and found myself a little a little platform from which to look at. And I'm looking at these two guys next to me and oh, obviously they're partners because one of them was stroking his boyfriend's head. Oh, that's lovely. And then the next time I looked, he was kind of caressing his back. And I thought, oh. um, went off and got myself another gin and tonic and came back. And by that time, he was gently cupping a buttock. <laughs> Chaps. The next time I looked, I thought, I thought you're drunk. What do you are drunk? What, 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 what am I looking at? I thought, where's his hand gone? <laughs> I thought, I don't believe this. Mm. I can't believe this. It and the guy, the guy who's had accommodated the hand. It wasn't even a flicker of recognition <laughs> on his face. I thought if someone had just shoved their fist up my behind and You'd done, know about it. I would be registering it. No, not this guy. It was like, oh my God. I thought I'm going home. I thought I'm going home. This is this is no, 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 no. What with that big fat woman walking around in a one piece fishnet. And other people putting their hands up other people's bottoms. I thought, I'm no, I'm going home to Tallulah Sparkles and a chocolate biscuit. <laughs> um, I thought the time has come. And then about two months later, I thought, well, give it another go. Mm. Don't, don't be so defeatist. So I went out to a club called the pool. Is it the pool? The pole? Something beginning with P. Um, and, you know, they were all babies. They were all babies, mm -hmm. you know, and anyone who was my age, he was kind of looked like, you know, they'd been dragged through a head back, backwards. So it got to three o'clock in the morning, you know, and it's that time of the evening where either you're off your tits on drugs and dancing if you're 22 or mm -hmm. you're looking to pick up and go home and get a fuck. So I'm cruising and I'm looking around the room in earnest to try and think, well, there must be somebody here that I can approach for a, a little bit of fun. Well, the only thing that my eyes alighted on that I found vaguely attractive was the sofa. <laughs> and I went and sat on the sofa and at that moment, I had the epiphanic moment that it's over, Mark. It's oh. over. The peel, that's it, the peel. I thought, your clubbing days are over mm -hmm. because the only thing that you want to do is sit on the sofa, close your eyes and put your feet up. I said, I said, it, 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 it's, it's, it's gone. It's just accepted. It's mm -hmm. gone. So. I kind of accepted the fact it was gone and then I kind of got the animals and then 
I'm in bed one night um, playing on Grinder because I thought, well, Grinder is you know the only place now is it's the only thing, and and because I'd moved out of Melbourne as well, I wasn't in Melbourne. I was in this little fishing village called Port Arlington, so there was not you know there was nobody around, and I start chatting to this guy on Grinder, and. Um, turns out he's Italian and is a teacher and he's got dogs. And I thought, this is oh, quite hello. nice. So mm. we arrange a reconnoiter at Port Arlington Beach with his dogs and my dog. It was a fucking mistake because I've got a German Shepherd and a Pitbull. And they saw his dogs and they pulled me over and I'm being dragged in the sand. And it's like, oh, fucking. Not a good idea. So I said, let me take my dogs back and I'll come back. So I got rid of my dogs, came back and we're walking along the sand, quite beautiful sand. And he's talking about how he likes kayaking. Well, I didn't know what a kayak was, but I thought I better just play along. So I said, yes, I like kayaking as well. I'm very, I'm very fond of kayaking. Um, he said, great. He said, next weekend. I'll bring my kayak down. I'm thinking, oh, fuck. Um, Yes, that would be lovely. (laughs) Um, Bring your kayak down. This is the Romp Podcast. So the next weekend, we have a day, and he brings this kayak down, which is basically just a board and a, a paddle. So he gets on the kayak, and he's boarding and paddling. And I'm thinking, well... Didn't look like much fun to me. So then he comes back in and said, Did you all go? Well, I couldn't get down on the fucking kayak. I, I had to be leveraged down. And I thought, I'm going to break wind. You know, when you get old, you know, mm. and you get up, I thought, I'm going to fart. <laughs> so I get on this kayak and he pushes me off. And I'm going, Well, it's fucking hard work kayaking. Mm-hmm. My shoulders. And of course, I was going against the current and I was starting to panic. And he was like, I'm, I'm, kayaking, paddling, trying to get back. And I'm thinking, this is not fun at all. I'm not enjoying myself. Um, So I eventually make it back to the beach. He said, did you enjoy it? So I lied and said, oh, it was wonderful. He said, I'll buy you one. I said, no, 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 no. No, you you really mustn't. You really mustn't buy No, no, you mustn't. I said, you go and have a go on it again. I'm going to have a cigarette and sit on the beach. I'm thinking, Vickers, stop lying. <laughs> Every time you lie, you get into trouble. Um, and then he kept coming to my house every Friday because he lived with his mother. And I said, mm-hmm. why do you live with your mother? He said, well, I did live in London for a long time. And then I got married to some Hungarian person. And the Hungarian person did the dirty on him. So he came back to Melbourne and, and retrained as a teacher and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he kept coming around. It was very nice. You know, he'd come around, we'd cook Italian, we'd smoke some drugs, we'd look at the view, we'd watch Netflix, but we wouldn't have sex. Mm. And, you know, two months had passed and we hadn't done the dirty. And I'm thinking, hmm. Anyway, that particular e that particular weekend he came with his little bag, you know, with his baby lotion and various other accoutrements. Mm-hmm. And I've got a spa in my garden. Um educate a hot tub. Yeah, but it's like a swim spa. It's like a little swimming pool and you can mm-hmm. swim in it, but it, it's got jet I mean, I never go in it. I mean it's it's you know, it's too much for you get wet, then you've got to get dry. and You have to look after the damn thing as well. Then you've got to look. I don't go into it. Mm. But he said, let, he, said, let's, he said, let's go. And it was it was night time. And so all my, I've got little twinkly lights in my mm. garden. Um, so the barley is set it. Mm. Not that I'm ever out there in the fucking garden. I'm in bed <laughs> smoking a fag and watching Netflix. Um, so he said, let's just slip into the hot tub. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was the hot tub was quite hot. I think I put a, the temperature up too high, so I'm I'm starting to feel a bit dizzy. I'm thinking, oh, it's coming over all queer. Um, and he sat 
on the edge of the hop top with his willy out. So I thought, well, this is this is the time to go in. And, you know, you go in for the whatever. So I kind of swam over to his side and started to go down. Mm. Now, I must say, there's one thing that I am rather good at. You know, I do a damn good blowjob. You know, I'm... I have a I have a talent for blowjobs. <laughs> um, I know that I'm good at them. Giving well, I'm I'm giving this guy a blowjob, and I'm thinking he's not getting hard. Why is he not getting hard? So I'm I'm working it and I'm working it. Well, I'm well, my draw starts hurting, and it's just like it was like having a big slug in my mouth. It was just like. It was like, why isn't he getting hard? I'm I'm doing all my techniques and everything. And it's like having this big jelly, jelly deal thing in my mouth. So in the end, I thought maybe it's his blood pressure. Maybe he's got blood pressure issues. So I said, you know, I said, I think we need to. I said, let's go in and just have a, have a slice of cake and watch some Netflix. So I thought, this is not working. This is really not working and I've now got fucking lockjaw because I've been going down on him for the last 20 minutes and my I can hardly I think I've dislocated my jaw and it's like oh this is ridiculous this is absolutely ridiculous it's like I've waited eight weeks and this is why we haven't had sex because he can't get an erection he's probably on blood pressure tablets um I thought, Mark, you're just better off with the dogs and the cats. Oh. Just, you know, and if push comes to shove, get a rent boy. Yeah. Um, when you know it'll work then, don't you? You get what you want. You know, you know it works. At least, at least you guaranteed it. Yeah. But it literally, it was like having a slug in my mouth. It was like, <laughs> I, it was, because it was quite, it was quite plump. It was quite a plump penis. <laughs> but it just wasn't, it wasn't growing. And did you discuss that with him? Did he give a reason in the end? How can you? How can you? How can you say well, why? Well, it's not working. I... This Viagra. Yeah, but how can you? How some things are just Best just better, just better ignored and you move on. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to get in into room. a conversation why he can't get an erection because he'd probably be mortified. Oh. I could barely speak. I could barely chew my chocolate cake. It was like shit. My fucking jaw hurts. I said, I think it's time for you to go home. Um, and did you ever see him again? No. What do you mean all? It was a disaster. <laughs> it was a complete fucking disaster. Oh. Was that the last time you ever oh. saw him? Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's like, it's like, no, no, if no, no. And then he said, well, what, can we just cuddle in the bed? I said, no, we can't just cuddle in the bed. I said, the dogs are on the bed. It's their space, not yours. I said, that's their space. I said, you can go and sleep in the spare bedroom. Oh, God. What do you mean, oh? Oh, no, it's awful. But isn't it? Have you ever got to the point where you've got so horned up and you, because it's all about, you know, it's it could be online in the early days and it took a while that you've got in the mood, you've prepared, you've, you know, you've douched, you've cleaned up everything, you've got there. And like your 48-year-old bald ginger man, but you've then done it anyway because you because you think, oh, fuck it, I, I, I just need it at this point. Rather than No, my biggest regret, my biggest regret, and this is when I kind of, I could, I literally, I could, I, I, I could have slapped myself. Like I say, I'd live in this little fishing, I moved down to this little fishing village because I bought a house in Melbourne and the house next door to it was full of druggets and it was an absolutely hellacious 12 months and so I decided sell the house I lost money yeah. went down, I thought I'm going to go and live on the tip of the peninsula of the Bellarine and I found this little village and I found this house on a hill with overlooking the ocean, mm. all very pretty, you know, kind of a bit, you know, got a lovely garden that after the dogs, but there wasn't a supermarket. There was fucking nothing here when I moved in, you know, so at five o'clock 
if you want to, if I wanted cigarettes, I had to drive half an hour into Geelong. And if you went to the supermarket, there'd be like one potato that was growing shoots out of it. You know, I mean, it was, there was nothing here. Over the eight years that I've been here and what with COVID, mm-hmm. um, supermarkets come, all the trendy little shops have come, all the trendy eateries have come, and the gays have started to come. And, you know, when the gays start to come, that, you know, the house prices go up and everything goes up. So I was in in Woolworths one evening about 8 o'clock because in the summertime it gets flooded with fucking holidaymakers. And I can't bear it because they're all brash and loud and gauche and, you know, and you just you can't get a parking space, which means I have to park three <laughs> miles away from fucking Woolworths and push my trolley. So I go at eight o'clock at night when it's quiet. Yeah. So um, I'm in Woolworths, which is not like the Woolworths in England. No, I was, I, was ab- I was about to, yes, I was about to tell people it was, uh, it's, it's more um, yeah, Tesco. And... I'm going towards the milk cabinet when out of my left eye, the periphery, I see this Adonis, this hairy berry, shaved head, tattooed, tank topped man. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you're gorgeous. You're absolutely gorgeous what uh, i've never seen anybody like this in port arlington you, you should be in a in heaven nightclub or something you're absolutely lovely and he was going towards the milk oh, counter yeah. or the milk fridge whatever the fuck they call it the milk so we were both heading in the right direct in the same direction and then he starts singing believe by share <laughs> as you do and I'm like, I wonder if he's a gay man. No. Of course he's a fucking gay man. <laughs> how many how many fucking gay how many straight men have got tattoos, wear a tight tank top, have got a shaved head, and sing believe by share? None. <laughs> and it's like and obviously he was sending out the signal, mm. the semiotic. And I'm thinking, shit, your gay dar's that fucking rusty. I mean the only thing he had to do was get his cock out. The rest of it, it was that, it was, you know, I believe in life after love as he went and grabbed the skim milk. And I'm looking at him thinking, you're really nice. So for the next four days, every night at eight o'clock, I was in Woolworths <laughs> thinking he'd come back. But yeah. I think he was a holiday maker. He's only down for a couple of days. Well, oh, seen again. I just thought, oh God, Mark, you're you're like Miss Fucking Haversham. It's like you're covered in get the get the cobwebs off you. Um, but we all used to do that, didn't we? Go and the same before we could text and all that stuff. I'd go to Mantos in Manchester the same time every week for weeks afterwards in the hope of seeing someone, and they were never there ever again. Yeah, but I was from 50, Doncaster. I was I was not in my twenties. I no, was in my is... fucking fifties and, and been around. Mm. I'd been around the fucking yeah. zoo. I'd been around the fucking park. You know, it's kind of how much more obvious did this guy need to be? And I was just like, well, not in Port Arlington. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, I go to Port Arlington, Woolworths now. They're all there. All the lesbians <sighs> are there. All the gay men oh, are there. Puts you come, off. It's, you know, it's kind of like, it's great for the house prices. Absolutely. It's just gone up through the roof because they're all coming down and and making their own jam and growing their own vegetables and things. It's um, crazy, isn't it? It's, me... like you and, it's like you and Nelly. You've retired to the fucking country. It's the country, darling, we have. And now we're like, ooh, in Golka, going, ooh. What's it like? And we are, I think we are the only gays in the village. So I'm waiting for the house prices to rise. So it's like, come on, come on, we're the only gays around here. So we haven't seen many. But we've got all the little fucker brack shops now and all oh, the little, you know, the, yeah. the tarot readers and the Reiki healers mm. and the crystals. Well, swingers. It's, it's more about the um, interior designers that you need, isn't it? That's what helps push the prices up. A good bit of taste and a well done, a well done renovation is what you need. 
Well, a friend of mine who they they'd bought a house opposite me for three hundred thousand dollars, and they got it styled. Mm-hmm. I said, "What do you mean you got it styled?" He said, "Well, we had to pay for it to be styled." But what? What? Says so this woman came in and got rid of all our furniture, put up an abstract painting and one of these really uncomfortable chairs that no one can sit in. And charged them two and a half thousand dollars to style the fucking house. I said, "Well, I could do. I could have styled it for you. I'm a gay man. Mm. I ooze style." <laughs> anyway, they sold the house for one point six million. God. So I think yeah, I'm sat on a gold mine mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, Must have been there eight years. Well, it's the only thing that I'm sat on. But uh, <laughs> no pegs. No pegs. I said to my friend. I said to my friends, I said, in the event of my death, I said, I've, they've each got a job to do. One's got to look after the animals. One's got to look after the funeral arrangements. And one's got to come in and clear my dildo. <laughs> I said, I've told her where the dildos and the bugs are. I said, your job is to get rid of them. Quickly. Before before the estate agent comes in, um, I said I don't want to be I don't want to be humiliated beyond the grave I in said, the long times. Um, I said there are several of them. I said don't judge, <laughs> but a man has needs. You said uh, when I was talking to you before, you'd uh, I asked for a song, and you chose a bit of Whitney Houston. What was that about? Whitney Houston, step by step. Yeah, why? Um, when I lived in Bangkok, there were two other gay men at the school that I worked with. Um, and there were not, what can I say? How can I describe this? There's gay men and there's gay men. Mm. Yeah. And. Both these gay men were part of my PhD and they were quite, they're very straight acting when I first met Dave and Dan. Yeah. And in fact, the first day at the school, because at that point I had hair and it was peroxided white and I had earrings and I looked like something that had fallen off a Christmas tree. And I sit down and light up a cigarette and proclaimed my sexuality. And if anyone had a problem with it, then let it be known now. Well, Dan, who I started to call the Dowager, because he looked like the Dowager, got up and fled, skirts <sighs> billowing away from me, because he was still in the closet. Yeah. Um, Dave, who I used to call the Dave Morgana, because he used to sit there with kind of like, you know, like the Dowager out of Downton Abbey, and hated the fact that I called him Dave Morgana. And I encountered them one night in a boy bar where I used to live, and there's the Dowager having a jolly old romp with some boys and there was there was the Dame Morgana. Now, you know, going out with the three of them together, it was fine because the Dowager liked young twinks, not my type. Mm-hmm. The Dame Morgana and I had the same taste, so we were in competition. We both liked the big butch beefy and it was like, fuck, he's got him first. <laughs> um but Dave used to disappear every year for about two weeks. He'd just vanish. I'm like, where the fuck is he? And it's because he had his friends from England over. And we never met his friends from England. Yeah. You know, we just didn't, didn't meet. Dave then went on, Dave was quite young, he was 42, went on to develop pancreatic cancer. And he was dying. Mm. 
So the doctor basically said to him, you've got this long left and, you know, we can treat you here. And Dave decided to go back to England. So Dave went back to England and he'd, he'd kind of bought a flat and Pom, his ex-boyfriend, stayed in Bangkok and it was getting near the end. And so Dan, who at that point was living in Korea, had flown over to be with Dave and he rang me up and said, come down. He said he's, he hasn't got long to live. Um, so I drove down to just outside of Bournemouth um, and Pom, he paid for Pom to come over from Bangkok to look after him. So it was pretty fucking obvious with me and Pom and uh, the Dowager to Dave's friends in Bournemouth that, you know, we were flaming homosexuals. And why was Dave hanging out with a flaming with a group of flaming homosexuals, <laughs> because Dave was a flaming homosexual as well. He just hadn't told them. And he had this best friend, Ian, who refused to believe that Dave was gay. No. Refused to believe it. He just couldn't, couldn't get over it. And, you know, was also very, very jealous of the Dowager, because, because Dave and Dan were very straight acting. And there was me that something like had popped out of a rainbow. They they were more aligned. And I was just, you know, I used to get dressed up in drag and do all sorts. And they just was like, oh, what the fuck is he doing now? And so Ian was quite jealous of Dan, the dowager. And... There was a tension there, and Ian kept coming up to me and saying, I don't believe Dave's gay. I don't believe Dave's gay. And it's like, well, he is. He What, what do you think Pom is? Pom's his boyfriend. Why do, you think, why do you think Dave has paid for Pom to come over and look after him? Anyway, Dave, Dave died, and we had the funeral, and we had the cremation, and um, we're at the wake, and Ian comes up to me again, and he said, I don't believe, I said, look, Ian, I said, I've told you Dave was gay. You know, he, he's he's gay. I Mm. said, I said, Go and look at his book. I said, just go, just, just do me a favor. I said, go and go to his bookshelf and just go and read some of the titles on his bookshelf and then come back to me. So he went and had a look at the titles on his bookshelf and he came back to me. I said, Have you got those titles on your bookshelf? I said, Because books are an index to who we are in the world. Mm-hmm. I said, you haven't got those books on your bookshelf. And then on David left the list of songs that he wanted playing at his way. And then just after this conversation, Whitney Houston's Step by Step came on. Um, and there's a line or there's a lyric in Step by Step which says, you know, I'm taking it step by step, day by day, hour by hour. Um, I know you're hurting. I know you're whatever. But this is, no, I'm crossing the bridge and I'm taking it step by step. And it was just a very poignant moment when there was a realisation by Ian that Dave was gay and this song came on and it was almost like Dave saying yeah I know that you're grieving I know that you're sad but you know we're all taking it step by step day by day and about three months later uh Dave had left I think he'd left 15,000 pounds in his will for a group of people 
to go back to Thailand to scatter his ashes. So we're all on Koh Samar, all of his group of his friends, and we'd, we'd scattered his ashes. And I'm walking back along the beach with Dan, and Dan turned round to me and said, you know he had HIV, don't you? Mm. And I was like, what? He said, Dave had HIV. Um, and that's what caused the early onset of pancreatic cancer, because oh, yeah. pancreatic cancer is usually an old person's disease. Oh, okay. Um, and David had HIV for about four years. And I was quite upset because I thought, well, why, why didn't you tell me? Mm-hmm. Why, why, you know, what did he think how I would react? Because it would have made a damn bit of difference to me. Um, and when, when Dave was in hospital, he'd said to Dan, because Dan knew Dave was HIV. It said to Dan, make sure that, you know, that board that they have at the end of the bed, which shows the temperature, he said, make sure that's covered up or removed when my friends come in, because on that board, it's got stated that I'm HIV positive. Wow. Um, so that's why, that's why I chose Whitney Houston's Step by Step, because I thought it's a good... It's a, it's a good song for gay men because that's what we do. We take it step by step. We take it day by day. And we get over things because there's no other choice. Mm-hmm. And we may be grieving and we may be sad, but you got to keep on moving. As Whitney Houston said, you know, keep on moving. Take it step by step. Gosh. Oh, that's a lovely, a lovely one. Oh, well, that's brought us down a bit, hasn't it? <laughs> we should draw to a close. And um, I've part of the show. The original premise for this is that uh, I wanted to talk about how I got my lottery numbers, which was basically I kept in the early nineties, and actually because I was really sad, a rear of uh, a fucker fax of an. Did, kept all the details of all my gay dates, which just happened to be between 1 and 49, between like kind of 1990 and 94. And I decided to log them. And I thought, well, it'd be good to talk about them. That's where the idea for this came from. And so I've asked you ahead of the game to um, give me a couple of numbers just in case one was already used. And the one that wasn't used uh, was number 22. So uh, I had to look up in my fucker facts. It, and it's not a story as half as well as good as any of you have told me today. Uh, the details. So you can see from here, let me just find the list at the back. Oh, he says. There you go. So everything was written down there. You can see I kind of made points and scores of everybody. And this one is Nick. I best not give his surname because I am recording this. And he was um, he was number 22. And I was living in Hull. And did you ever go out in Hull ever, being from Grimsby? Or is it just too far? So the Vauxhall no, Tavern. Yeah. Do you remember the Vauxhall Tavern? And me and an ex-boyfriend, cause the cute, cause, because the scene was so small, you were friends with your ex-boyfriends, weren't you, for quite a long time, because it was the only, you know, everybody knew everybody, and there was only a few of us there. So we had, to, so we were out a year or so after we'd broken up, and we started talking to this uh, young lad, and and he was there with his girlfriend. He goes, oh, I'm I'm straight, I'm straight. And I was like, no, love you not. And he was, he was really young, and he was really tall uh, and quite camp. And there, and he says, "Well, why don't we go back to ours?" Uh, and me and this ex-boyfriend went back to uh, him and his girlfriend's house, or back to his house with his girlfriend, and we ended up having group sex with his girlfriend. And it's like, you know, I didn't go anywhere near the the lady. It's not not my bag. Like I said, I'm like you. I've never seen one, so I don't know. I'm not don't know what one is. Wouldn't know where to go, what to touch. So I just concentrate on the boyfriend. So we had this, uh, you know, kind of Sunday evening. It was in the Vauxhall Tavern. Back to the house, had sex. Um, Ladies are all lovely. Sat working at work a couple of weeks later. I was working in an insurance office, you know, really sad. The screens were green. It was that long ago. Screens were green. Phones were wired to the desk and faxes would come in. And you'd write, it was in insurance. So you'd write cover notes out by hand. It was such a long time ago. It was a, like 93, as I said. And then this new girl starts in the office and she's brought around the office. Yeah. 
and it's that bloody woman from from the from the from the group sex shag that we had in uh, in this grotty flat in East Hall. So I was mortified, and we just looked at each other and was like, "Oh, hello! Oh, you're right, yeah, like that," and just carried on like that. And I was like, "What the fuck do I do now?" I've seen your bits. I've seen your bits. You've seen mine, and we now work in the same office. God. It was funny, and then he used to phone every, uh, all hours. I was living in a in a flat in a house shared house, and he'd phone. We were kind of, you know, we weren't dating, but he was he wasn't out, so he was coming out. It was kind of his process, and he'd phone all. We'd have all kinds of bizarre conversations. All hours, it'd be like two a.m. The phone would ring. I was like, I've got fucking work in the morning, and he's there going oh and telling tales of woe and stuff like that. And it was like, just fucking leave her, love. That's all you need to do is leave her. And eventually he came out. I moved to Manchester later that year. And November, we all moved to Manchester all in one one go. And then he moved a few months after and he became the biggest screaming queen. And they all work on the scene, don't they? They all move. And he became the biggest queen there was in the village. I was like, oh, I started you off on your little journey. And I've seen your ex-girlfriends, knackers as well. So... That was my that was my tale of uh, number twenty two. It turned him. I think I did. <laughs> it, I don't. I think I think I helped turn him. He was already. It was already. It was already a little bit bent. He didn't need much much help <laughs> on that front. That is the end of my long conversation with Mark. I hope you enjoyed it and appreciate the full three parts of it if you haven't listened to any of others do go back and have a listen they are uh, particularly funny in places i'll be back in a few weeks time with another episode um and if you want to uh, get in touch about anything that you've heard today any comments to make uh, or would like to be on a show you can email me at show at rompcast.com and on the website rompcast.com you can also find all of the links to uh, whatsapps to social media instagram I mean, I'm on TikTok now. I don't know why. Never mind. Uh, And uh, we can have a chat. Until the next time, take care.